Welcome to the GT Reboot, Gaming Trends podcast for all news and preview discussion. We have a great show for you this week. It's a slow news week in the world of video games, but that's because all the games are coming out. Uh, This week, we talk about Dishonored 2, Battlefield 1, some of the PSVR launch games, and some of the delays we've had this year. We're so excited you're here to listen, so let's boot up! What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Gaming Trend Reboot Podcast, episode 72, for that matter. My name is Joey DeClara. I am joined by Mike Pierce and Hunter Wolf. Hey. What's up? What's up, guys? How you doing? We are here to continue the show uh, that is the Gaming Trend Reboot Podcast. Unfortunately, uh, we lost two of our friends. No, not very, not in such a grim sense. Kenneth Shepard and Eric Van Allen. Uh, have left the show or left the hosting positions of the show in order to uh, continue their careers as video game journalists and critics. But we're here to continue the traditions that they upheld for uh, a little over a year's time. And uh, we're pretty excited to get started. Me and Mike are here to do the hosting. And uh, I'm pretty excited. I'd like to believe Mike is excited as well. Mike is not excited. Not Not even a little bit. All right, we're starting off great. Uh, and also, Hunter Wolf is here, editor for Gaming Trend, to help us host the show for this week. Yes, sir. We have a bunch of video games to talk about, Some uh, a couple of news items we wanted to talk about. So we're going to jump right into the news for you. First thing we're going to talk about this week uh, was a couple of delays that we got this year, uh, this past couple weeks, since the hiatus that the show has taken. Uh, so, a couple of games that got delayed. Gravity Rush 2 uh, was delayed to 2017, which was uh, supposed to be coming out uh, this year. Yeah, back in July, it was announced that this was going to be coming out this year. Instead, it's going to be coming out January 2017. And then, on top of that, this week also, Cuphead, uh, the long-known E3 indie game, very... Uh, cartoony art style like in back in the 1930s uh style side scroller was recently delayed to 2017 after they decided that they're going to start rethinking their uh, design choices for the game uh, we saw this back at e3 that they had started uh, some new uh, platforming design choices introduced to the game and now it's going to be delayed to the next year and i'm noticing that a lot of these there's just been a lot of delays this year. There's always a lot of delays, but uh, now it's just been so regular, and uh, it's starting to concern me in a way. Uh, so I was wondering what you guys thought of uh, these two delays or either of these delays. Yeah, uh, poor Cuppy. I feel bad for, for my little Cuphead. I'm excited for that game. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn was another game that got delayed that I'm uh, I'm looking forward to. I think it was supposed to come out uh, this quarter, uh, holiday season this year. Now it's um, it, like, in, is it February? I believe. That's right. Yeah. There's there's more than that though too. I mean, uh, let's see. Final Fantasy got delayed. Mm-hmm. South Park: The Fractured Butthole got delayed. Yep. I'm sorry. Could you repeat that? <laughs> oh sure. Yeah. South Park: The Fractured Butthole. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. That's okay. the, that's the one. Slightly different inflection. With, uh, yeah. yeah. Do we need to pronounce it with the the imaginary comma? South Park: The Fractured Butthole. But Yes, there you go. 
No, it's uh, there's definitely some, and also Last Guardian got comically delayed uh, even further after because ten years just not enough time to make a video game. Yeah, a bunch of games getting delayed this year, uh, as is the norm for every year. Although uh, I'm not necessarily worried about Gravity Rush Two. But Cuphead, I am definitely worried about. Not A delay isn't always something to be worried about. It's not a sign for uh, an issue or failure for a game. Uh, it's, however, an issue to me that Cuphead is something we've seen over and over at E3. And now is getting delayed because it seems like they're taking the game in a completely different direction. Uh, this was a sort of 2D side-scrolling shoot 'em up maybe not a shoot 'em up but it was like a boss battling game that was super super hard only focused on boss battles and now they've recently decided oh it's also going to be a 2D platformer as well and they're adding this whole other component to the game and from what i saw i don't know about how you guys feel or how about how other people feel but i wasn't too enthralled by what i saw of the 2d platforming design uh it looks kind of thrown together and uh not very inspired uh it looks like they're just padding this game with content that was not originally con- uh, conceived for the game so i'm a little worried about this delay specifically um yeah i i never really worry when a game gets delayed because obviously you know they're doing it for a reason they have a really strong reason to want to push that back and um, deal with the, the cons that come with delaying a game. Um, and and plus, there's so many more games to play in my backlog um, that I'm kind of thankful when <laughs> uh, when games do get delayed because that gives me an opportunity to go hit up... Like, I'm, st- I'm still playing Batman Arkham Knight right now mm-hmm. um, because we're only just getting into all these new games coming out in the in the fall, but, like, my list is always growing, so... Bring on the delays. That's what I'm saying. I gotta wonder this year as well. How much of it is just due to the big blockbuster games that are coming out? You know, I mean, I don't know about Cuphead and stuff. It sounds like they really are changing things around. But I wonder sometimes how many of these delays are actually motivated by not wanting that particular game to get saturated or um, I don't know what's the, what's the word. Just uh, you know the hype of other yeah, games. Yeah, lost in the shadow of all exactly, these big titles. Yeah. Especially yeah, there's so much coming out this season. It's just crazy. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. always hear about games get like Call of Duty <laughs> in November, and then Battlefield coming out uh, in the next few days, uh, the next in the next week. These games normally do a killing, and it's that's fine getting out of the way of other games. I don't think that's what's happening here. Uh, maybe Gravity Rush. I think Gravity Rush 2, that's exactly what's happening. There's all these games that ended up getting delayed, pushed further into the year, like uh, Last Guardian and uh, these 3DS releases, which I don't think they're in competition, but then also uh, Final Fantasy 15, which will probably do well, uh, despite it being so uh, comical at this point. How, how Yeah, that, that one's it. almost delay-proof, I think, at this point. Like the hype is just too big, and people yeah. love that franchise so much they could they could delay it for another five years, honestly, and it would probably still be hugely successful. Oh, geez, I think I, I don't know with how <laughs> I think with how the developer is um, marketing that game right now, too, it looks like it's near finished. You know, they're they are they have a plan. The press releases are rolling in consistently. This week it's the voice cast. Next week it's the flying car. So I, I feel um, that one's on track, but. 
Yeah, you mentioned Cuphead. Um, I had a thought. Um, events like E3, you know, Cuphead got a lot of buzz. Uh, smaller indie titles get a buzz because, you know, journalists are looking for those. We know that there are these indie titles coming out um, or a lot of news about them around the time of E3. But yeah, in the fall, it really is just dominated by these larger AAA titles. So I think it is easier for a game that is uh, more petite, like Cuphead, to get uh, lost in the in the the motions. I have never heard a game described as petite before. That is, <laughs> that is first. I mean, yeah, a cute little bite sized. It's a <laughs> what do you call fun sized? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a yeah, it's a very feel good, humorous looking game. Uh, and everyone loved it. You know, everyone the buzz that came that came around it was more, I think, for its aesthetic splendor than uh, its actual gameplay and i want it to work well too i want a game that looks like that and feels good also i don't think that the right idea is uh adding more to the game because of like there's something to be said about taking uh the response of press and uh consumers getting a look at the game early and responding to what they see and uh what they play and deciding, okay, let's take that in consideration. It's a whole other thing to be like, oh, well, we haven't played a lot of games that's just uh, boss battles. We Normally there's whole platforming thing. And then they're like, oh, okay, we could make a platformer out of this. Like that's, that's really heavy stuff you're getting into that you did not conceive, I assume, at first, you know? So that's why that game worries me. As far as the other games we mentioned, like Final Fantasy, you know, I, I'm not worried about Final Fantasy because I, at this point don't care anymore like uh, i'll probably play the game you know if uh if it sounds like it's a good game if reviews are favorable right yeah i think there there are definitely some games that are sort of delay immune but it's generally just the really big titles the really hyped up titles and the ones that that uh gamers are extremely invested in and really really care about like half-life 3 would be another example i mean that one at this point is comical. Nobody even knows if it's even going to happen. But I, if we I assume, mean, some of we us assume know. that it is going to happen, then I don't know. If it comes out in 10 years from now, I still think it's going to be hugely successful. Oh, uh, well, getting into H3, uh, I mean... <laughs> I know. That's I would, the rabbit I would right say, there. you know, hmm. I... I I could tell you I'm not at all worried about Half Life Three, and I I can tell you that I am sure oh that my it will come out. No, well, I, that, that I can that, that I can absolutely not agree uh, with. You heard no. it here first. You gotta have faith in Gaben. So yeah, Newsweek was uh, definitely very slow since uh, all the games are coming out right now and all the games are uh, imminent at this point. Uh, one such game, which we're going to talk about right now, is uh, Dishonored 2, which uh, one of our editors, Hunter Wolf, uh, who's here with us today, obviously, uh, was lucky enough to take a train ride out to New York and uh, attend this public community event for Dishonored 2 and got to go hands-on with the game. 
Hunter, what did you think of uh, the game? Yeah, uh, really cool. Um, if you didn't play the original Dishonored, it's got a remaster on Xbox. Um, you can check out. Um, it's a stealth action game, first person from Arcane Studios, which is published by Bethesda. Um, yeah, I mean, the game was uh, really cool. Um, the demo we played was the Clockwork Mansion, which worked really well. Um, I got to interview Harvey Smith, who was the game's co-creative director, and he says each level in this game is going to have its own gimmick. Um, one of them is, you know, this house that tra transforms when you press buttons, and then there's another one where um, you get a device that lets you travel between the present and three years in the past. Um, and then there's another level where um, you're in like a city and the city is impaired by spontaneous dust storms that um, impair your vision. So yeah, it, it played really well. Um, the characters are voiced now, which I think is really cool. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely very interesting. Uh, less, I always found that the... The silent, Dishonored, full disclaimer right now, Dishonored, possibly one of my favorite games of all time. Mm -hmm. uh, from, flawed, uh, flawed, but favorite. Very, certainly a flawed yes. game. <laughs> heavily, heavily flawed game. Uh, I've, I've <laughs> ranted to Hunter and Mike uh, before now on how much I love this uh, very broken game. Uh, and it's a fantastic game, and I'm very excited for Dishonored 2. The voice acting sounds interesting, because the silent protagonist spiel uh, is just so old at this point like silent protagonists always just look like such idiots you know like just everything's happening around them and they have no response to it they're just like okay i'll i'll go do the mission now and that's it's absurd so i'm glad to see that uh we have some uh talking corvo in this game yeah but then you have some like weird cases with like fallout you know and they uh made a voice protagonist for this new one uh, fallout 4 and I, I still, I feel conflicted about that too. Mm. Like, um, care, uh, games like, like Fallout are created so that you can create your own character, play your way, um, create your own story kind of. And, um, I don't know how I feel about my character, like having a family, you know? Yeah. And, um, and having that preconceived story already. So, but I think this isn't an argument to make about Dishonored though, because, um, these characters already they are named characters they exist in uh this world in very specific roles um i don't know i think it's really cool yeah no i i agree i don't know if uh mike you played fallout 4 you know i i i didn't i played fallout 3 um and i liked it but i think being being produced or excuse me being being made by bethesda i was expecting Something on the level of Skyrim and Oblivion, and it didn't feel like it to me mm. when I played it. And so I kind of I beat it, and I played a lot of the side quests and stuff. But it didn't uh, it didn't engross me like Skyrim and Oblivion did. And so after number three, I just sort of said, "Yeah, I'll just skip number four. And I think there was some other game coming out at the time too. And I was sort of like, "Well, it's going to be one or the other because right. if I do Fallout Four, it's probably going to take a ton of time." Yeah, so yeah. Was, I just opted to do whatever the other game was at the time. I don't recall. Was there a voice protagonist in Fallout Three? I didn't play that one. Yeah, no. Fallout no, Three that was. I remember. Yeah, it was I silent. Think he was silent. Well, he was mm. silent protagonist, but you had dialogue. You would uh, choose your own dialogue, and uh, that's, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And it would change based on you know your. Uh, 
I, I forget what it's called, but basically your mor- morality level. Uh, you know, you would progressively do uh, dastardly deeds, or you would do uh, noble deeds, and your level would go up and down. And uh, mm-hmm. based on that, your options for dialogue would ch- change. Uh, so you had a voice per se, but it was not a voice acted uh, character. Uh, whereas, right, right. whereas Fallout what? Four, there was a voice acting, and I agree with you, Hunter, that like it was it was a little jarring and weird. Like, I played a vicious, evil monster in Fallout, as I often do. Uh, it's just so fun. And it, uh, it's very strange when he talks, like, in this spiffy and, like, like cheery sometimes when he talks to people. And it just threw me off. I'm like, that's not my character. My character would be so grueling and uh, gruff and, and, uh, and a horrible, evil person because that's what I played. So that always threw me off. Uh, which is what I'm worried about with Corvo and uh, Emily in uh, Dishonored, because you know you play one level through and it's cool that they're interacting with the area around them, but at the same time, like if you play a dastardly, horrible person and then they kind of say, "Oh, I love you," in the end, you know, it's it's kind of jarring. Uh, so that's one thing I'm a little worried about. But again, I shouldn't complain because I complain about Dishonored one. Corvo being a silent protagonist, so yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I'm not a Dishonored player, so you can take this with a grain of salt, because I'm not really invested in it at all, but um, I think it would be cool if they put in dialogue options, kind of like they did in the Mass Effect series. I think I don't think in number one they did this. I think it was only in two and three. Mm. But I loved in some of the dialogue when those little those little button icons would pop up on your screen in the middle of somebody saying something and you could interrupt them by saying something uh, particularly good so you would get Paragon points for it. Or you could do renegade shit like punch them in the face in the middle mm-hmm. of the conversation. And I just thought that was so awesome because I don't, I generally don't play really, really good or really, really bad. I try to play um, based on my impulses and my immediate my immediate reaction to a situation. Yeah. Yeah. So like there was a mission, I don't recall it was two or three and you get to the end of the mission and you find whatever dude you're looking for and you've got him cornered at the, like the top of this skyscraper or something in mass effect three. And his back is to a window and you're talking to him and trying to get information out of him. And I was just tired of his shit. And (laughs) one of the, you know, one of the renegade options came up and I was just like, yeah, let's do it. Hit it and, and, uh, what's, uh, Shepard? That's his name, Shepard. Shepard just boots his ass right out of the window. And I thought that was like, I thought that was the best oh thing God. ever. It was so awesome. And I, cause I was like, hell yeah. If I was some crazy super soldier explorer trying to save the galaxy and you were in my way, damn right. I'm kicking your ass <laughs> out the window. I'm glad we so, don't have an office at Gaming Trend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so you'll just thought, go off know, the like, deep end on any regular right. thing. Yeah, yeah. And you've got you've got like uh, what, chaos and what do they call it in uh, in Dishonored? Chaos. Uh, and chaos is it's, yeah. It's just a level of chaos or low you have chaos, high chaos or low chaos, depending oh, okay. on if you so, are very bad or pretty good. And that's just so based on kills, has, just like yeah, on enemies as, or characters killed. Yeah. As someone who has almost no experience with the Dishonored series, that seems like something that would that would be kind of cool to integrate at least on some level in that. But maybe, maybe I'm completely off base. Yeah. So well, no, of, I mean, sorry. So speaking of that Hunter, uh, I just want to jump into that uh, off of Mike's comment. Uh, how yeah. does Dishonored 2 handle the chaos system? Uh, I remember Dishonored 1, 
uh, was pretty much just number of kills uh, at <coughs> your hand. Uh, so just decided to address that in any way. Yeah, basically in the first Dishonored, if you killed 20% of the NPCs, fewer than 20%, you would get the good ending. If you killed more than, you would get the bad ending. It was pretty it was pretty binary, I guess is a good word to yeah. describe it. Um, yeah. In this new game, in the sequel, um, at the beginning of every level, the game will randomly assign NPCs a morality and... Uh, if they're a good person and you kill them they will give you um, less chaos than if they're a bad person and you kill them um, or you could just play like me and try not to kill anybody because we're nice and oh, then geez. just get a really really low chaos you're so score. goddamn boring Hunter come on <laughs> um, yeah so uh, they think you can like use the heart now the heart was people would use it in the last game this guy told me to kind of play god and like judge who they should kill and who they should let go um, yeah, but it didn't yeah. end up working because the chaos you got from killing people was not conditional on their morality so um that's different this time around and i'm excited that they fixed that yeah so that was like another one of those excellent flaws that i love about dishonored is like that <laughs> if you use the heart and you pointed it towards um, a an NPC in the game, the heart would whisper to you some backstory on them. It would be something. It could be something simple like he works every day for his, uh, you know, for his family at home who are dying of the plague, or something like he killed three people tonight. He'll kill three more before he dies. And it's like, all right, well, this guy's got to die because I mean, he's gonna die anyway, and he's gonna kill, take three guys with him. But so if it, we pointed, if we pointed the heart at Mike right now. What would it tell us? Oh, I oh, man. presume to know. I'm curious. I want to hear. <laughs> I want to hear the answers to this. Yeah, yeah. We we went. We'll we'll see in the coming weeks uh, when we uh, get a better <laughs> glimpse into Mike's. Uh, so far, it would say doing the Battlefield One review. That's as far as yeah. I as I know about his deep dark uh, personal life. But, misses um, his misses his days on Pepperidge Farm. Like, all right, all right. But uh, yeah, oh, so. Man. The is Sonic? this the segue into Battlefield 1 now? Is that, is well, that we'll, we'll, get? we will get... I should have I taken so. it. I should have taken that opportunity. I'm sorry. Pepperidge Farm and we'll, a high chaos rating? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'll, I'll just say that I'm excited that they're looking into things like that. Although, I... I loved Dishonored for silly flaws that it had, like the idea that you could play Dexter. That's what a lot of people called it. Like, you would uh, judge their morality versus your chaos level you think oh you're looking at this character and it's like oh he this the heart told me that he beats his wife and uh i could kill him now but my chaos rating is a little high right now so maybe i'll let this guy slip so that i could kill the really bad guy later so the flaw was that it was so binary like you said hunter but then it created this uh it created this conflict in your mind of like do i kill this person or do i let them go mm -hmm. and it's all just stuff that we put in our in our heads you know the dishonored itself it was shallow but you know we made it so so cool with that that form of gameplay i'm excited to yeah. see what they're what they're messing around with with dishonored 2 it's it seems pretty cool yeah we have a lot of uh a lot more juicy tidbits that you can read in my preview which will go up uh probably tonight and um we have a almost full hour of gameplay um in which i do a lot of really nonsensical things in uh, Dishonor that you can check out on our YouTube channel, Gaming Trend Vids. Yeah, so that's youtube.com slash 
Gaming Trend Vids, and we'll post a link in the description uh, for Hunter's uh, preview of Dishonored 2. Moving on, we're going to talk now. Uh, we had a chance for a smooth uh, transition segue to Mike Pierce, but I denied it because I just can't stop talking about Dishonored. I'm sorry, Mike. I mean, you you love hearing about it all the time, I know. But, no, it does actually sound like a pretty cool game. It does make me want to get into it. I, I do need to try it again. Sure, go for it if you want, but uh, not before you finish your Battlefield 1 review. You are, of course... Uh, reviewing Battlefield 1, you've played a lot of it uh, prior to getting the full game. Uh, so you can't talk about Battlefield 1 right now because uh, you're well, under embargo. Uh, however, can you can talk about some parts of it, I think. Yes, I can talk about what's known as the Play First Trial. So that was something that opened on the 13th, although there were sort of r- scattered reports and people saying that they got access to it on the 12th. And I did actually see a whole bunch of stuff popping up on Reddit. Mm. on the 12th, although that could have been due, I suppose, maybe to people in a much further time zone, and it was actually the 13th there or something, but I don't have any confirmation of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, what's contained within the play first trial, I'm I'm literally reading it here right now. Um, 10 hours of playtime on five maps, uh, which is St. Quentin Scar, Amiens, Sinai Desert, Foul Fortress, and Suez. And those uh, have four modes, four multiplayer modes, Conquest, Rush, Operations, and Domination. And then the single-player prologue, known as Storm of Steel. And then uh, another war story, which is also contained within the uh, single-player campaign called Through Mud and Blood. And you can actually see on our website or on Gaming Trend Vids, the YouTube channel, you can see 18 minutes of me playing Conquest on Amiens, and you can see the basically the climax of the war story through mud and blood as well, which is a, a big tank battle. Mm. Okay. And um, it's, a, it's a really fun game. I, I really, really like it. There's um, Obviously, there's more than just in the play first trial. There's a ridiculous amount more. Um, I can't be specific about it, but I can say that it, that it's awesome. Sure. And, um, I love that. I can say the single player campaign does something different. So this is based on World War One now, whereas, you know, what, Battlefield 3, Battlefield 4, and just about every Call of Duty for the last couple of years has been either modern combat or sort of like near future combat, you know, um, like the latest one has spaceships and stuff flying around, I think. Um, so Battlefield is doing something completely different. They're going to World War One. They're trying to retell one of the nastiest and biggest wars in fighting in the history. trenches. Right, exactly. Yeah, known as the Great War or the War to End All Wars, and it mm. obviously didn't end a damn thing. Um, <laughs> Mike Pierce, history major. <laughs> but uh, it's really cool because instead of the typical like, oh, okay, we've got the special forces team and they've got to save the world from some Middle Eastern terrorist somehow, which seems to be what every modern shooter goes for to some extent. They're doing something completely different and they're actually, they're not even, um, they're not even following one team or one person for the whole campaign. You actually jump around with different characters to completely different theaters all over the campaign. Oh, so there's nothing, there's nothing continuous, which is really cool because you get to see the war from different perspectives 
Um, and not necessarily just what you would consider the good guys either, because World War One was not as uh, it was not as cut and dried as World War Two was with bad guys and good guys. Mm-hmm. So you get to see much different perspectives in the single player. And um, I also felt like the characters were a lot better. Mm-hmm. You were much more emotionally invested as a player, and it wasn't. Um, whereas in the modern ones, they try to glorify war and battle and make you feel you know, really, really awesome. You don't, uh, you don't get that feeling at all in this. It's still really fun to play, but it's deliberately dark and melancholy. And it's, it's not this uplifting, invigorating, oh, yay, I just, you know, destroyed a whole city and saved the world kind of a thing. It's, it's the exact opposite of that. And that's a really good thing. Yeah, that's super interesting. You know, a a lot of these games now, especially since they uh, exist in fictional universes like uh, the Call of Duty games or anything that's set in uh, near future uh, timelines, uh, like you said, they're they're all based on, you know, trying to get you to feel like a badass because that's what everyone wants to do, right? They want to feel badass. They want to feel awesome. Uh, And that does uh, (coughs) negate any possibility for showing the dark parts of uh, war, which very often is completely avoided, uh, especially if it's fictional, because those didn't exist. You know, you can't f- fake those really, or at least you can't f- you can't make them up like historical moments that historic moments, excuse me, that uh, were dark and were treacherous, and uh, we wish didn't happen. You know, because they didn't happen. It's just fictional, so. It's cool that uh, it's. I've commended Battlefield, uh, excuse me, Dice for taking on uh, this moment in our history uh, because it's definitely a challenge. It's definitely a challenge to make it feel fun. Uh, I know you can't speak to this yet, Mike. Uh, everyone, you should check out Mike's review once it goes up next week. Uh, but I definitely feel like the game looks like it's probably. Hollywoodizing, if that's a word, a lot of uh, the actual experience of being in World War One, because at the time it was, you know, of course, far less uh, like there, there's awesome tank battles and uh, blimp battles and like all sorts of absurd things. And that just wasn't really happening in World War One. So but that looks like it's going to be a fun time. I can't wait to hear what you think of that, Mike. Uh, but I want to know, like, Hunter, have you ever played any of the Battlefield games? My my Battlefield is Mike's Dishonored. I have not. I think I played a I think I played a beta for uh, what was the what was the last one that came out? Battlefield, Battlefield 3? 4? Well, Battlefield oh, 4 wow. has been continuous for a while, but then there was Battlefield Hardline which is technically the last one, right? Yeah. yeah. I think it was it, it was either three or four. I mean, I have zero experience with that franchise. Ah, uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, I had played three. I'm like you, Hunter. I bought three. I had bought into it, and uh, I was very excited by it. I was never following it too heavily until I started realizing uh, what they were doing differently from Call of Duty. Uh, I'm not a big Call of Duty fan, Although this one looks kind of cool, but anyway, uh, Call of Duty is too twitch shootery and too focused on uh, individual players, uh, not not enough on team combat, which uh, I know it's, everyone says the same thing. But uh, and Battlefield interested me because it had these really epic scale battles. Uh, it was very focused on teamwork, but when I jumped in, that's what ended up was too daunting because uh, I jumped in a little too late. It was well after launch. 
and everyone knew what they were doing and I had no idea. And I just wanted to get into a jet at some point. That was like my main goal, like to get good team based combat and like get into a jet and experience that. But I never got there. So I'm just wondering, Mike, like is our battlefield games in general, like, or what do you love about those and like the, the team aspect of it? And do you think it's too much for a newcomer to jump into one of these games, uh, any of them, uh, and get their, understand the systems of like team, uh, based combat? Well, so the biggest, yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think, uh, a couple of the biggest things and the best things about Battlefield is the, the team, based aspect of it. It really encourages team play and cooperation. And you also sort of mentioned it's epic battles. It's just it's on a massive scale and it combines different types of warfare. You know, you've got you've got planes crashing into the ground and strafing you and bombing you and you've got now hell you've even got horses now and uh, you know, vehicles, you've got emplaced guns, you got infantry, you got you got everything and it's all you know, synchronized into this one orchestrated maelstrom of chaos, and, it, and it's it's fantastic. Um, but I don't think it's too much for anybody to get into. I mean, it's it's just like any multiplayer game. There's a learning curve, but but it's not that bad, especially if you have a friend or two to help you with it. Um, I mean, Conquest, for example, Conquest is a is a game mode that's been around as long as I can remember with Battlefield mm-hmm. and it's their iconic mode and that's pretty simple I mean it just you just try to hold on to five points for as long as you can and then <laughs> if you hold on to them longer than the other team you win it's pretty it's pretty simple I, I don't think it's uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't even worry like let's say you pick it up I don't know in May which is what Six months? No, that's more than six months. That's eight months or something like that after it releases. Mm. I wouldn't yeah. worry about it then either. Just, just get into it. Dive in. You're gonna die a bunch. Sure. And you're gonna feel outclassed, and you're gonna feel like your weapons suck compared to everybody else's. But the trick I found is find a game type that you like. Don't if you don't like something, just don't don't bother with it yet. Play whatever is the most mm. fun right at the beginning. And play whatever class is the most fun right at the beginning and pick whichever gun is the most fun. Like just, just play everything for its immediate entertainment value right out of the gate. See, this all sounds like so much. Play the gun you like, the mode you like, the, uh, the class you like. I, it's like a, a bunch of different things that I'm like, oh, I have, I, I don't know. I like shooting and I like tanks. I want tanks. That's all I want. I'm a simple-minded well, creature, Mike. If, I'm sorry. If that's what, you, yeah, if that's what you want to do, just go do that. But I'm saying like, just, you know, try to play whatever's the most fun right at the start to see if you actually enjoy it. And then as you, as your skill level gets up, you'll probably get more curious about other things or you'll accidentally do something that was really cool or, you know, who knows what, but just, just play it for its surface value at the beginning. And then, and then if you don't like it, give it up. But, um, that's, that's my advice. Just do what's fun, and then you'll learn as you're going on, and your skill will your skill will grow with it, and you'll actually understand what the hell's going on after a while. Mm. Life advice from Mike Pierce. Yeah, <laughs> or battlefield advice, something around that. That's good yeah. life advice too. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Last bit of games, uh, I played some games this week. 
Uh, they are PSVR games. I actually just got my PSVR yesterday. Um, have you guys messed around with VR in any capacity uh, since uh, the year VR has commenced? Not PlayStation, but I've used the Vive. We agreed it's the Vive, right? Yeah, it's yeah, the, we, okay. we have the Vive. It's definitely <laughs> the Vive. The Vive. I, yeah, I'm with Hunter. It's the Vive. So I've the used HTC yes. Vive. I've used the HTC Vive before, and um, the uh, the Oculus Rift. I all <laughs> I actually used the Oculus Rift back when it first came out off a of Kickstarter as well. I had a I had a oh, um, a dev kit. Yeah, right. I had a cousin. A cousin's husband had uh, one of the original dev release kits, and it was it was garbage. Like I almost I I actually almost threw up. Because the sure, yeah. the motion sync was so bad that um, oh, I, wow. I almost threw up. So anyway, it's I much mean, better now. I mean, well, you know, it's not as much better as you would think. I mean, the the Rift, I'm sure, is good. Uh, the PSVR, one of the things I've noticed is definitely um, the tracking is a little off. It's definitely not up there with uh, the Vive. Uh, the Oculus, I only tried in one sitting once. Um, but the HTC Vive, a friend of mine has, and it is uh pretty one to one. Right. Any motions you make, whether it be uh head motions or the the motion controls, the hand controls, uh, they're pretty spot on. Uh, the only time I ever experienced um issues with it not being in sync was the headset not being in sync with my face because the straps are so uh shoddy and they don't really keep it to my face very well so it'll wiggle uh so the psvr though uh i started off on a off note but i mean i i happen to love what i've played so far um there are some technical issues uh it definitely feels antiquated with the ps camera playstation camera which came out two years ago or three years ago even and then the move controllers which came out ages ago with the ps3 uh they just they're old pieces of equipment, and uh, this PSVR is new, so it just doesn't seem to work well. Like, the touch controllers are... The move controllers, rather, uh, when you see them in the real world, uh, like in the VR world, they're kind of shaky, and they don't seem to line up very well, and they'll uh, shoot out in random places. Uh, so that's a little off, but other than that, the actual experiences are great. Um I played uh, the first bits of uh, Batman Arkham VR, and uh, that was unreal. That was like they they put you there for like Batman's origin story, and you're there behind their parents, and you witness the whole origin story thing as Bruce Wayne. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, I am Bruce Wayne the child. Like this is not a movie. I'm sitting here oh, beh- wow. behind my parents, and and they're getting shot. It was it was really bizarre. And then yeah, it see, got really... Oh, sorry, yeah, Hunter. Yeah, that's the tricky thing with VR is, you know, you can tell me that and I'll be like, oh, that sounds cool. But even if you use the most descriptive words, I really just won't get it as a consumer until I've tried it. And that's going to be a real challenge for marketers as um, VR picks up, which I believe it is. Um, but it, it's going to be difficult going forward for them. Yeah, man. I mean, that's been the trouble since day one. How do you demo VR? How do you show off VR. The truth is you don't. You have to demo it. You have to get it in their hands. And I mean, I'll hand it to PlayStation. They've done everything they can to do that. You know, they they have the marketing uh, up really high. They have that whole Taco Bell thing, which they always do. Uh, and then 
they have it. You can go check it out at Best Buy or at, uh, I think, different GameStops have it. Uh, like, you can set up a demo with them. And uh, it's definitely worth it. Or doing the Vive. Uh, I think Microsoft Store does demos. And it's definitely worth getting your demo uh, just to experience it because VR is surreal. Uh, the Batman thing is really cool. You are Batman. You have a moment where you you suit up and then a mirror is in front of you and it's you as Batman. And that really freaked me out. That was the pinnacle of like, oh <laughs> man, like VR is a, is a whole other thing. There's a very diff- big, big difference between looking at a screen and it's a director's image. Even if you're the director, it's you controlling a camera with a controller, whereas you are controlling yourself in VR. And that Batman thing was like almost too much. It's like an, a new version of Uncanny Valley, you know, where you're like a little disgusted by the fact that you are someone else and you're you're in VR. It was unreal. But I mean, they're pretty cool. They're, the demos are fun. Uh, they're definitely worth checking out. Everyone should uh, get a demo in with Vive or uh, PSVR, whatever you can get, because it is, it is next level stuff. It's a, uh, it's a lot of fun. Although, albeit a little, uh, a little scary at some points and and disturbing, but definitely worth checking out again. All right, so uh, we can move on with our what's trending. Uh, as uh, the listeners know, the original showrunners uh, Eric Van Allen and Kenneth Shepard ran a segment called What's Trending, where uh, the hosts of that uh, specific episode uh, would ask the other uh, guests and hosts of the show uh, a random question. Uh, Very often it's like video game based or it would be um, possibly just completely random based on something else. I think what we'll do this week is we'll keep it to one person. Uh, Mike, you had a question for us this week. Yeah, so I just wanted to know how you guys feel about the episodic format that some games and developers are taking these days. Like uh, Hitman, for example. They just released, or they just announced earlier this week, I think, or maybe it was last week. I don't, I don't honestly recall, but uh, their season finale is coming out on Halloween, uh, October 31st. And uh, so I wanted to know how you guys feel about that as a release format, as opposed to just sort of Pay your pay your money up front, and here's the full game. What do you guys think? Well, um, I guess you know, as a, I'm a very busy person, being a college student, so it fits well into my schedule to be able to play something that is miniature and bite sized. Um, however, we've had the conversation before where, um, yeah for these titles that are being spanned out over months and months and months, it is hard to follow and it's hard to, uh, to keep interest. Yeah. I, I go, sorry, go ahead, Joe. No. Yeah. Sorry. I was just going to go right off of what Hunter said. Yeah. Like, uh, well, I don't know. Like, it, yes, absolutely. You know, the idea of waiting for the games to come out is infuriating. And, uh, my experience with episodic games has mostly been, uh, through Telltale's games. I played a few of them. I played the the Walking Dead games, uh, not the Michonne games, though I realized that that's one of them. I played Season 1 and 2. I played the Game of Thrones series, and then I uh, never finished that one. And then I played, uh, what is it, uh, Tales from the Borderlands, which was their best one by far as far as I've seen. Those are great, but uh, waiting for them is awful because uh, they're developing them as they go. 
And uh, normally that's the case with episodic games. So what I ended up doing is normally just waiting uh, for them all to come out uh, because you end up getting a game one an episode one month later and you're like, oh, sweet, it's the next episode. Now. And then three months go by for the next episode. You know, episode three takes forever. And that kind of sucks. So for like a couple of the games, I just ended up waiting. But as far as Hitman goes, as far as Hitman goes, uh, it's uh, it seems like it was a little more consistent. Like uh, I'm pretty sure every month they came out, uh, save for one month in the summer. Uh, I forget what month it was, but July. Uh, I think. It seemed like it was July or yeah, yeah. So I think it's been. It seemed like it was pretty consistent. I have not played the game myself, so I'm just uh, assuming all this. But Mike, I as I understand, it, you've played the game since the beginning. I have, yeah, and 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 just. From a from an actual game standpoint, it is a solid game. It's better. It's definitely better than the last Hitman, and it's more like. And I'm not the only one to make this comparison. It's a lot more like Hitman Blood Money, um, which is great, and um, I, I like a lot of what they've done with the game. And it looks really, really good too. The graphics in that game are still really solid. Um, and I just love Agent Forty Seven. I don't know. Agent Forty Seven is just kind of like the quintessential awesome assassin to me. Like Assassin's Creed is just a joke for me compared to sure. compared <laughs> to that. But um, I don't know. The I go back and forth on the episodic thing. Like it's just a part of me. I want to pay my money and I want to get the whole game now, no questions asked. Um, and then you know I've heard Hunter bring up a good point before that if you do the episodic format, it may give developers a chance to engage with the community a little bit more and say, you know, oh, well, we hated episode one because of X, Y, and Z. So then the developer has a chance to, to change X, Y, and Z for episode two. But um, I don't know if, you know, some developers are more engaged with the community than others. Some communicate more with the community than others. So I kind of feel like, yeah, that's great in, in on paper, but how often does that really happen? And you don't really know as a consumer. I mean, even if they do respond to you and to the community, you know, do you know if they're actually going to put it in or, or not? So I don't know how I feel about it. I think in general, I think I would rather avoid episodic formats and I just want to get the whole game now or else I'm going to lose interest. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Hunter, go ahead. Yeah, I wonder who their target audience is for that. Like, what their ideal demographic looks like. Are they busy people? Are they not busy people? Are they parents? Um, or are they high school kids? Um, because I'm kind of wondering what what kind of person's lifestyle they have in mind when they, or what they had in mind when they decided to go with the episodic exclusive format. Um, I I don't know if it it. I think it fits it fits me, but I yeah I'm just I'm curious which uh, what demographic they were targeting. Yeah, that's interesting, Hunter. You bring up a good point. Like I I wonder if it is if the format itself is uh, a result of a demographic targeting just like them them actually trying to find a an audience that would. Uh, more appreciate that format or if it's just a development format if it's just something that works for them as a design team uh, and I think for Telltale I think that would be it because uh, the way it looks like that that engine that they've been using since day one of what uh, 
Wolf of Wall, what is it? Not Wolf of Wall Street, but Werewolf in <laughs> whatever. Be a great it's, Telltale uh, game. Yeah, excellent Telltale yeah. game, by the way. Uh, but yeah, I think that they're, since they started with Walking Dead and that other game that they did, um, I think that it's something that just seems to work for them. Uh, but it's, it's not, I don't know if it's this much about targeting a demographic of like, oh, these people have less time and they, you know, the episodic thing works for them. It may very well might work for them, but I think it's more just how they function as a team. Uh, but as far as actually them taking in, uh, you know, sorry, taking in comments on like their content, uh, I think that they would be a team that would be listening. You know, I maybe Square Enix might not be that team as much. Uh, not Square Enix, but I mean, uh, IO Interactive. Uh, and Square Enix as a producer, I would be put money on the fact that they like their tone deafness to their community just because of how absurd their lineup of games is you know you have all these games like uh final fantasy 15 final fantasy 7 remake and kingdom hearts 3 like their their plans and their promises for these for their audiences so absurd i can't imagine how they're going to uh keep keep to those promises man don't even get me and started so, about square enix i'm still pissed about supreme commander too exactly <laughs> i'm still mad about as we that. all are yeah no square enix is, seems to me like someone like did one of those conglomerate com, uh producers that uh publishers excuse me that just uh can't concern themselves they're too big to concern themselves with uh too much what the community is saying uh and whereas telltale maybe they are or maybe their hands are too full i would say that yeah telltale they probably take what their community says into consideration far more because they're a smaller team and they have more ability to be talking to them and keeping an open dialogue with their community. But at the same time, they have that fourth episode dilemma where every fourth episode of their series, like Walking Dead or uh, Tell- Tales from the Borderlands, always sucks. And it's always for the similar reasons. And I just don't understand why that happens. It's like almost like a taboo thing for them. So I don't know. Like, yeah, it's it's weird. Like it, it, their their series are great, but then there's that one penultimate episode. It's like, huh, oh, is this is this that great? And then fifth episode's always great, or whatever episode if it gets uh, ends up going longer. So I don't know. Uh, I'd like to believe, of course, like you, that they are listening and that they are taking in consideration all the feedback that they give them, and that uh, that goes into further episodes in the series. Uh, that's obviously ideal. To Hitman, I. I appreciate that they took the initiative to take this risk and do a different format. A lot of people were positive on the format. Uh, I did not play the game. You know, I don't know what I'm talking about, but a lot of people think it was cool. Like this new idea of uh, having elusive targets uh, and like this weekly event that you jump in and you get one chance at it and then it goes away. You know, that's really cool. And it's really interesting that they're doing these new ideas and they're taking risks. You know, people don't take, developers don't take enough risks anymore. You know, that's why you get something like, like No Man's Sky. You know, they <laughs> took a risk and they made a sweet ass game, but it wasn't awesome and it ended up backfiring on them, but it was totally different from anything else I played all year and in for many, many games. You know, only a couple of games can I mention that are totally different like that. So. I appreciate them taking risks and trying different things. But again, 
it is weird. Like, you know, not everyone wants to play the same game for so long. You know, I, I said this to you guys before, you know, the idea basically is that Hitman is an eight month long game. And that's absurd when you say it, you know, so maybe that isn't for everyone. And that's totally, totally fair. Like your, your viewpoint, Mike, like just want to get a game and be done with it in a month. That's a totally fair, uh, feeling to have towards a game part of it so i totally understand that part of it too is you know plot considerations i mean hitman believe it or not actually has at this point a a, a decent plot i mean it's not amazing but it's a decent plot and um if you've been following 47 since the beginning it's a pretty interesting plot too to learn about his history and and all this other stuff and how he became 47 and all these other things and you know a month two months goes by or whatever i forget what the hell i did in italy and then all of a sudden yeah. I'm in Morocco and then like, okay, <laughs> oh, now I'm in like, what was, what was, there's one in the U.S. I think in Colorado too. And it's sort of, it's really kind of jarring. It's sort of like, I just, you know, I would just like to follow the story continuously. I mean, think about Netflix, for example, you know, that I think that's the beauty of Netflix. Like watching a show on TV is uh, it's, it sucks, but they're only a week apart. So generally, so you can still keep, those plot details and things pretty fresh in your mind for the most part. But it's even better on Netflix if you wait for the season to come out and, you know, bam, there's 20 episodes. I'm just going to binge the shit out of them and, you know, I'm going to finish it all in three days. And I think, at least for me, that's what I like to do with games. I'm not, I don't, I don't really, I don't really do this jump around like, oh yeah, I'll pick it up and then two months later I'll pick it up again kind of crap. That's just not how it works. So that just bothers the hell out of me. And then there's the money aspect too. The, you know, it costs more to buy per episode than it does to just invest for the full amount right away. And and I guess that's a give and take thing as well because if you're new to the series, to, to the series of games, not that particular episode series, but if you've never played Hitman before, I guess that does give you um, a cheap way to try it out, you know, okay, well now I'm in for $10 or whatever it is per episode. And guess what? First episode was garbage. I'm not interested in buying the rest of it, you know, or two, three, four, five, and six or whatever. So that's great. You're, you didn't lose an extra $50. You just 10 bucks and a couple hours later, you decided eh, not for me. So it's a give and take thing, but I'm not in favor of it. Yeah, that's totally fair. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is all the time we have for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me in this new endeavor uh, we are embarking on. The Gaming Trend Podcast will continue. So please come back next week. Uh, We will have another great episode for you, I am sure. Uh, Until then, though, please keep an eye on GamingTrend.com, where you will find Hunter's Dishonored 2 preview. Uh, Also, imminent is the gaming trend review for battlefield one written by our own mike pierce uh i write a bunch of stuff as well you can look out for that and until next time thank you again for joining us we hope you have an excellent week and to see you next time